Welcome to Darkly Lit, where we search for the darkness underneath the smell of cotton candy and the sounds of calliope music. I'm your host, Kayla Berry, and, uh, oh, wait, that's not true. I just got married, so now I'm Kayla King. So I have to, <laughs> I have to get used to saying that. Hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, my, we have my, uh, one co-host, uh, uh, Jesse Reyes, or Sage. Jesse Reyes, or you can call me Sage. That's me. And then uh, to my uh, immediate right is my husband and also host, David King. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Step right up to Cougar and Dark's Pandemonium Shadow Show. <laughs> uh, if you, so, <laughs> the Camptown ladies sing this song. Do-da, do-da. Camptown racetrack five miles long. Oh, do-da day. Uh, oh no, I, I I cannot wait to talk about that ending. <laughs> oh my god. Um so uh Laugh, will you laugh, laugh! Oh my god. <laughs> that was so loud. Sorry. Uh, so um it's October. So uh, the a, best month of the year. A fine it's month Halloween. for boys. It's the Halloween month. So uh a, we, it is the best month of the year. So we we decided to read something Halloween-y like we did last year. But this time it's a classic novel called Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury. I'm looking at a picture of him right now with a cat. Aw, that's a cute kitty, actually. Yeah. This is different from his other works, I would say. I mean, not in terms of writing. Is it, though? Okay, okay <laughs> not in terms of writing, but Ray Bradbury is most well-known for his sci-fi work, where this right. is clearly mm-hmm. a dark fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, this, uh, by the way, this came out in 1962, so, which I, is definitely fitting for when the book is set. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to give the summary, David? Cause I know this one, this is like one of your favorites. This was the one you, you actually introduced. This I, to I, me. I suggested this one and, uh, that's because this one is stuck with me. I tend to be more of a fan of Bradbury's dark fantasy writing as opposed to his sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Nothing against sci-fi. This is, this is the stuff that appeals to me. And this, it's books like this that I feel like give him the nickname Mr. October. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story is set in Greentown, Illinois, sometime in the, Late 40s, early 50s, and uh, it focuses on two boys who live right next to each other, uh, Will Holloway and Jim Nightshade, uh, both of which are were born uh, in close proximity to each other. Like one, I think Jim is slightly older and Will is slightly younger. No, Will Holloway is born on October 30th at 11.59 p.m. and then... And Jim, Jim Nightshade is at 12... Midnight. 12 midnight on October 31st. That's their shared I was, or something like no, that. Yeah. I thought it was like 1201. Oh, yeah. 1201. That's right. They're like, they're like a minute apart. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so these two boys are living in there and they're both kind of, they're both kind of hitting, uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll we'll get, we'll get to that in a bit. They're, they have a, they have a, a tight friendship, but they're starting to kind of pull apart a little bit as Jim is constantly looking forward to being older and, you know, stretching his wings and will, is a little bit more reserved and wanting to, you know, make, hang about in sort of the, their childhood. And, uh, sure enough, around, uh, October the 23rd, I want to say a, a carnival rolls into town by way of a old, uh, locomotive and Cougar and Dark's Pandemonium Shadow Show comes to town. Uh, but this carnival is not your usual carnival. It is headed by a seemingly, uh, an illustrated man who has, uh, some sinister intentions and, um, when the boys 
uh, go to explore the carnival, they find the merry-go-round that has some very unusual properties. Uh, when it runs forward, it's able to age people for a year for each rotation. But if it runs backward, it, it de-ages them a year with each rotation. Um, this leads to a number of uh, them getting sort of caught up in a in a sort of battle for their own souls in an odd way, and a battle sort of with each other, with their friendship. Also getting involved is Will's dad, Charles Holloway, who is the library janitor of town, and him, his struggle with the fact that he is a much older father. He's in his... Um, he's 54. He's, he's 54, and he's feeling... He's, he feels like he's feeling his age. Like, he's feeling like a life has kind of passed him by, and he's he yearns sort of for uh, to be a younger man and a younger father to his son. He, it's, it seems odd to him that he had his son late. Anyway, uh, the summary is going on for a long time, and I apologize. Basically, they're, they have a series of uh, mishaps as this carnival zeroes in on them and wants to sort of bring them into the fold to either um, for some sinister purpose, and um, about the boys and Charles Holloway have to figure out what to do in order to confront this new menace to not only them, but for the rest of the town and the townsfolk. All right. So let's uh, begin with what is our general feelings about this book as a whole? Um, well, I love it. I love this book. How about you say this was this was both a lot of fun. Also very, very um, immediate. It was like, oh, childhood friends. Oh, they're inseparable. Mm, yes, I ship it. <laughs> but, uh, I knew it. I knew it was real. <laughs> I was like opening the book. I was like, man, I hope I can find something to ship because that'll help me get through it faster. And I'm like already starting way too late into the month to read it. And I immediately I was like, yes. OK, good. Uh, <laughs> but also uh, with like the father, Charles, um, I would get two parts where I'm like, hmm, I'm going to go eat some ice cream or something because I'm going to have like an anxiety attack because this is hitting me in all those places that I like to avoid. (laughs) 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 Growing old and like mortality. So this was a lot of fun, but also very painful and difficult to read. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Heavy. um, (laughs) I I feel like... uh, I'm trying to word this nicely. Uh, I like the story. As a story, it's a great story. Um, I And a lot of the writing is good, but then there's points where it feels unrealistic to me or there would be parts that would really bother me. Like, um, like there is a point, like, uh, the, I think the one part that bothered me, and I actually was, um, uh, I actually was talking to David while I was reading this, or... Not reading it. Okay, let me rephrase. So I, I actually did read it as a book a year ago, but I wanted to try something different. So I listened to the audiobook version, which I, which actually I was able to pick up more stuff from when it, before, when I did the first real reading. Um, and it gets to the part where, uh, Charles is explaining to them what he thinks. Let, let me make this clear. What he thinks the carnival actually is. And they spend like, a good like three or four chapters to this but here's the Mm. funny part how charles does not know any of this charles is just pulling this out of his ass Mm, i disagree no come on it's an educated guess you get the impression he's done a lot of reading and there's even a point in there where he says look i'm just saying i'm not saying that how do i know this i just know but then he goes on he's like you know what about like all those freaks you know chances are they're based off their they they got turned that way based off their sins i'm like what are you talking about 
Where did you get that from? You just pulled that out of, like, like y- y- just out of assumption. Well, I mean, he's making a lot of assumptions, and that's fair. He's, 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 he even says this is a theory, but... Yeah. And I, then he goes on and talks about the theory. I, I think what bugs me about this part, though, is, like, why couldn't this be shown? Like, wh- why couldn't a conversation between him and Dark happen? And, or something like that. Or, like, they listen in or get a glimpse of that. Like, this... I mean, it's already a very descriptive, very shown book. Why do we have four, three or four chapters of just Charles going on about his fan theories? I don't think it's fan theories. That's the whole point. He knows. He feels it in his bones. This is, we don't, I don't think we're not, we don't think we're supposed to know what exactly this carnival is. Like he's, he's a bunch of ideas and theories and we're just going to decide which of those makes the most sense to us. Right. The way I read those parts and I had to read through them very quickly because I was only halfway through the book last night. (laughs) When we were like, oh, we're going to have to record tomorrow instead. And I'm like, okay. To be fair, I was about there as well. But I spent a good chunk of the morning today uh, reading like the last half of it. Rereading mm. it. I've read it before. I, so. I was about two thirds of the way through. And uh, and then you're like, we're doing it tomorrow. I'm like, oh, got to listen. And I'm just like, <laughs> I listened to so all. So we're all in the same boat at least. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but the way I kind of took that, because and I, I, I kind of like this this idea and i like when stories do this is like the and the universe is kind of like what you make of it and like what you believe Mm -hmm. you're gonna believe is true so like kind of like i don't know that's the way i was thinking like this is he's he's like this is what i feel this is what i believe this is and thus for it is what i what you know this but then Mm -hmm. he's completely right like all his fan fairies are completely right well keep but 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 again uh, the way that the story is set up is like, it feels like the, these, it feels like when logic creeps into it, it I, I think of it in a lot of ways, like what happened to in a house at the clock and its walls. Remember how the magic, like it went in that book, which, which we covered a while ago, uh, Lewis had, had to come up with his own way of doing a spell and then it worked. Okay. Like think I of mean... it that way. Think of it like, um, this is a, uh, I feel like this is a story where it's, em- it's intuition versus emotion to a degree. And, yeah. and sort of the power of the spirit versus the power of the mind and I, as opposed to that. And it's like, okay. And to me, it seems like, I mean, I mean, we're, we, we can have different opinions on this, but I, I personally feel like, um, he, he, he makes these theories and I don't feel like he's just pulling them out of his ass. I feel like he, he's got all these books. He's mm-hmm. been reading all these things about like, you know, darkness and proverbial stuff. He's, it's, there's a whole list of things. And he ties it back to the fact that these people have lived hundreds of years. And of course, yeah, he's making educated guesses. But, you know, the, the one of the things that they, they talk about in the book is how he, he spent years at this library sort of almost telling this whole story to himself. Like there's the whole idea that he's been, you know, spinning yarns for a long time and that they've always vanished. And there's this manic sort ofness of him laying this out here. And for once, it's like almost it all coalesced and came together. It's a magical realism kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And. I like that kind of stuff in fiction when it's done well. And I think that's fine here because it's just him going like everything. This is me. This is my intuition. This is my guts. This is my bones talking. This is what, and I'm trusting my gut on this one. And a lot of people in, and the, the idea is that when facing something like the carnival and it's like inexplicable, like low key horrors, like the, the, the stuff that's wrapped in this disguise of joy and, and spectacle. Like, you gotta trust your, your intuition here. The, the, these characters trusted their intuition. It's what got them out of, trust their guts, and it's what got them out of a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. So, here's Charles Holloway, who's been doing this for a long time, trusting his intuition, basing it off some of what he, what he gets, and sort of that, that emotional logic as opposed to the rational logic. 
mm-hmm. ends up being true. And I think that's interesting, personally. Um, I also think there's a couple of, like, parts... If it were any other story, I don't think it would have worked. But because, uh, but with this story, it worked. Like, that extra detail about, like, it's Will Holloway and Jim Nightshade. Very ridiculous names. And they just happen to be born two minutes away from each other. But the fact that I, I can accept this because the way it's written, it is a dark fantasy. Yeah. It is, it is, it has very flowery language. A lot of the, when I first read it, I, one of the things that bothered me was, wow, all the people talk not really realistic. Mm. Mm-hmm. But then I just everybody uh, talks like Ray Bradbury, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I had I had a hard time with the boys being like, boys don't talk like this. Yeah, I know. But well, I, the parts I enjoy where they're just like, heck, Jim, heck. Yes. <laughs> I I think, but oh, I, Will, oh, oh, Will. I, but I had <laughs> I I had to think of it. I, I I had to think of it like this is not set in a real world. This is set in its own universe. Like clearly not like it is a fantasy like it's 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 through the lens of this heightened like this heightened reality i mean there's everybody talks in metaphor like there's a point where an allegory like there's a point where the barber comes out and he's crying he's like i smell cotton candy i haven't smelled cotton candy so long sorry I'm, i'm just so tearful and i'm like didn't they? But didn't they express? I mean, they did explain that he that. cries at everything. Yeah, Mr. They, they, they did. It's just such a interesting, strange <laughs> detail. But it, it works for this because it is a fantasy. Like right. again, there's some certain things that would not have worked in any other story, but because this is consistent, this whole the whole way they talk and the way that uh, the whole world feels is consistent. It's like okay, this isn't real life. This is Ray Bradbury's fantasy. Right. And that's what I, that's what I kind of do. I suspend disbelief and go, okay, I just gotta, it's like, it's like reading a book by Shakespeare. Like the, you, no one talks, no one actually talks like that, but the yeah. story still comes across, mm-hmm. you know? So I think about it that way and that kind of helps. And I just enjoy the, I personally, and I, I really enjoy the, the way he writes about certain things, especially when it gets to the spookier stuff. Mm-hmm. Like when he describes the carnival rolling in. I love that mm-hmm. bit. That part's so good. Um, yeah, I was going to, I mean, again, you notice it's pretty noticeable pretty early, like on a point when, when they meet Tom Fury, the lightning rod salesman, and here's the lightning rod salesman describing how he, why he does this. And it's got this very Bradbury-esque way of describing like, how. No salesman talks like that. No, he's talking about how he carved symbols in, in order to fight the lightning and stuff. I'm like, what the heck? But yeah, it's just, he's a magical man in a magical world mm-hmm. where magic happens. He tapped two islands. He played a counterspell. Uh, wait. But, uh, I mean, yeah. Now, <laughs> um, uh, now this is, I, this is meant for, I, it's hard to say it's meant for children, but, like, it technically is meant as a children's book, but there is horrific imagery in here that is a bit, it, it's kind of frightening, and it's I a little... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Or, I mean... I mean, if you, if a, let's, let's say a 12 year old would read this right now, and mm. now I think there's some imagery. Well, maybe not 12. That's a little too older. Okay. An eight year old, if they read some of this, they'd be like, what? What is this? I can't picture an eight year old reading this. I don't yeah, think this I was, can't either. this is not, I don't think this is like the Halloween tree is a, is a, is a kid's book. Okay. So this is not a kid's book in my opinion. This is uh-uh. well, because it, it drips so much with nostalgia. Like, okay. That's, that's the main thing I wanted to say. This book 
is, I think, does writes about nostalgia in a way, and, and it captures the feeling of nostalgia in a way that not a lot of books do. Like, you mentioned Mr. Crosetti crying at the thought of cotton candy, because mm-hmm. it's, like, bittersweet. It's that idea of distance and looking back on something that you remember, but then, but there's that bittersweet feeling. And Charles Holloway is, a, is nostalgia, basically. His character mm. is that. And the way that the, the way that he, the writing is, feels like, a, like nostalgia for something else. But I know it's been a requirement for like middle school kids and such, which, like, you middle said, school, I get, but like, even then, like, I feel it's like, it's a book that, Feels like it should be for kids, but you're right. I think it's more of a, it's more of an adult book because of that nostalgic. Like uh, kids aren't exactly nostalgic, where adults are absolutely nostalgic. I don't know. I yeah, think, I think you could read this at at the two different ages that we have, like the two boys at, and then when at our age now and older. Mm-hmm. And you could you would pick you would relate to the different characters differently. Right mm-hmm. now, I'm trying to remember the boys. They're 13. 13. They're 13. Mm-hmm. They're about to turn 14. That's right. Or they just turned. No, because they're turned- Their birthday's coming up, because it's like just, it's like the last, it's like, uh, okay. I think it's October 24th. When yeah, the book okay. Because that's when it, it says Halloween came early. It came in on October 24th, and I think that's the day that the train comes in for. Right, right. This all takes place over the course of a weekend, from Friday to Sunday. <laughs> so it's all just before Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Um, in, now, uh, in terms of the, I mean, I mean, in terms of the story itself, or like, uh, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to figure out where to begin. <laughs> there is a lot that happens. Like, there is a lot that happens in this book. Well, uh, what's a good place to break this down? Like, or, or maybe we could try something else too. Do any of our, our, our listener questions, could any of those lead to? specific discussion points because i feel like we always talk about points on this show and then but then we don't we've talked about things that we that people end up asking us questions about later and we just kind of go oh but we talked about that so why don't we why don't we actually approach it with maybe some of the questions first what do you what do you guys what do you two think we could do that and try and then uh if we feel there's anything that we didn't discuss that we still want to touch on we could do that at the end i definitely want to talk about will and jim i want to talk about charles holloway i want to talk about the, the whole carnival. As those are like the three main beats I want to talk about for sure. Mm-hmm. Like how we feel about those things and stuff like that. Um, in that case, there is one that, uh, one question that kind of goes with that. Um, and, uh, this was from username. And the question is thoughts of the themes of coming of age and accepting the world changing with time. And I feel like, yeah, that, I mean, that is the main theme is, uh, of the novel is the uh, idea of accepting your age or wanting to be older, wanting to be younger. Looking, you know, feeling like you're stuck where you are looking ahead when you're young and feeling like you're stuck where you are looking behind when you're older. Again, this nostalgia with a melancholy, with with the melancholy tinge that nostalgia should have. That's mm -hmm. what this book is. And each of the characters has a different relationship to that. With Jim, he wants to be older. Uh, Will, I think Will wants... Will, he's, he's fairly content with where he is. Mm-hmm. Will's kind of interesting. He's in the middle. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like of these two characters, of, of these th- of this trio, he's in the middle. Uh, yeah. Charles has the longing to be, to kind of, he has that longing for youth. Jim has that longing to, like, break free of being considered a kid. Mm-hmm. And Will is just kind of in the middle. He wants, he's he, okay where the he's The way at. he was described to me in, like, 
when they were describing Jim as like, he sees things coming, like he knows already. Whereas Jim is, you know, he's, he'll be surprised to see a shadow. Like he's just kind of like going with the flow of things or like taking it as it comes. And that's just natural to him. Uh huh. So he would have no need to look back or look forward. And he's just in the moment kind of. Yeah. Kind of precious. <laughs> yeah, it is, I mean, right? <laughs> I think what, um, I think it's also the fact he wants to s- maybe stay where he is. Uh, cause that was one thing that, uh, does come up along. He's like, don't leave me, Jim. That's, that was like his worry whenever Jim wanted to be older. He's like, no, I don't want you to leave me. Yeah. He, he, we want, he doesn't want to lose his friend. He doesn't, he doesn't want, he wants things to stay the same. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's his, that's his yearning. That's his, um, want, which of course is another thing that the carnival kind of preys on. Yes. So, uh, what do we think about the carnival? There was a question about the carnival, wasn't there? Uh, actually, there's a couple of questions about uh, the carnival. Um, but I, I feel like... Because uh, uh, one of the things is it is a creepy carnival. And mm-hmm. uh, Dobie does actually ask, how influential do you think this was on other creepy circuses? This is the most influential thing on creepy circuses. <laughs> Are you... F- mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, no. No, I mean, I can't well, imagine anything post this... That didn't draw either intentionally or just by the zeitgeist of it bleeding into other media. The mm-hmm. idea of the dark carnival. I feel like this really catapulted the idea of the, the dark carnival that rolls into town, may look colorful and friendly on the outside, but has absolutely sinister and malicious intent on the inside. So many stories and so many themes owe them, owe themselves to, to Cougar and Dark's, uh, uh, <laughs> circus and crazy. I will eat your soul. Like butter on toast. <laughs> I definitely got that. Uh, it made me think of that circus from uh, We're Back. And like every time I was reading Mr. Oh. Dark, I was like, oh, I keep picturing him as, as uh, what's his name? Screw-Eye? Professor Screw-Eye. Yeah. Yeah. The type of character that I kept picturing just, just covered in, in illustrations. That's a good image, um, actually. I, I love- yeah, yeah. I kind of like the fact that's another interesting thing, too, because like the illustrated man is usually just a side act. Mm-hmm. But... In this case, the illustrated man actually runs the carnival. Like, mm-hmm. this man covered in tattoos is, like, one of the head men, which I yeah. think kind of fascinating. I actually think it's interesting. We don't get a lot of Mr. Cougar, but he's the other guy in charge. And we most of the time we get him as a boy, and then later we get him as Mr. Electrico. Which is interesting because, um, actually, that was a influence from Ray Bradbury's childhood, uh, he visited uh, someone named Mr. Electrico at a carnival, and he yeah, he was he was twelve years old in 1932, and he went and to a carnival and saw Mr. Electrico. And apparently, Mr. Electrico told him directly, "Live forever." Apparently, he went back a little while later, and uh, Mr. Electrico remembered him, introduced him to all the other like carnival, like sideshow carnies, like the freaks, and. Uh, I read this in the, in the, the afterword in this book. Mm-hmm. And, um, actually, let me read that part verbatim real quick. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I can, uh, I can find it. It's back here. Um, and I, re- this is, he's talking about why the carnival sort of crept into his, this story and what he thought about. So yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll start with, uh, the second paragraph. Next day, I ran back to the carnival grounds to find out just how to do that to live forever. Uh, Mr. Electrico introduced me to all the carnival freaks behind the scenes, including the hippo lady, the human skeleton, and the illustrated man. We sat on the beach, and he listened to my grand ideas about my irresistible future. 
When I had run out of gas, Mr. Electrico said, We've met before. Oh, no, sir, I said. This is the first time I've ever talked to you. No, no, he said. You were my best friend at the Battle of the Ardennes Fortis Forest outside Paris in October 1918, were wounded and died in my arms. And here you are with a new face, new name, but the light coming from your eyes is the soul of my lost friend. Welcome back to the world. I wandered out of the carnival stunned and stood by the rushing horses of the carousel, listening to the calliope wheezing beautiful Ohio and wept. I knew that something amazing had struck me with electric fire and changed me forever. Within eight weeks, I began to write. I wrote every day after that for the next 65 years. She, yeah, clearly, yeah, clearly that carnival, that experience had such an influence on him. And it's, it's kind of beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, he even later in that in that same um, sort of afterward apologizes to these. Like if the real Mr. Electrico happens to read this, uh, I want to apologize right now for taking this the inspiration for you and turning a, uh, a noble and, and good human being and turning him on doing the dark mirror reflection as an <laughs> evil carnival leader. <laughs> But that was my inspiration. He had to do the flip side of what he talk, took from carnivals, which was, uh, you know, something beautiful and joyous to him. So um, have you ever read something and there's an idea from it and you're like, God, I wish I would have came up with that because mm-hmm. it's such a great idea. Mm-hmm. I think the carousel with the whole uh, that uh, if you ride back uh, backwards, you uh, become younger. If you ride forwards, you become older. God, that's such a great idea. It's one of those ideas I'm like, I wish I would have came up with that. That's so good. <laughs> that's wonderful. No, it's 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 such it's such a good linchpin. The carousel is so symbolic and I love that. And um actually I really like the explanation that um kind of gets brought up later on and that the way the carnival kind of started is if you think about it, one person realized that carousel to the thing, invited their friends, and suddenly a carnival grew as a result. I'm like there you go. There's the origin of Cougar and Dark's Pandemonium Shadow Show. Mm-hmm. I also really like the the way that sort of Mr. Dark controls the carnival with his with his illustrations with the tattoos on him. Mm-hmm. Like he's able to do it when he clenches his palms that have Will and Jim's faces inscribed on them, and they feel headaches. Like I thought that was really cool. <laughs> like, and then of course the the fact that when he you know when he's ultimately killed, um, the tattoos fade, and suddenly all the carnies are free. Mm-hmm. That was kind of cool. It was. It's almost like a weird, like, uh, like not like voodoo dolls is kind of what it made me think of, but like voodoo tattoos, I guess. Oh, that's a good way to say it. Like, yeah, yeah. Like when he when he pinches his wrist to kind of punish the du- dust witch for having yeah, failed to kill exactly. Charles. Yeah. Oh, um. There's and there's so the like of the carny folk. There's like a few that get mentioned. Obviously, the skeleton, the dwarf that used to be Tom Fury. Um. It's the three main, the three main carnies are the illustrated man, Mr. Cougar, and the dust witch. I want to talk a little about the dust witch. By the way, the imagery for the dust witch is so creepy. I love it. I love the dust witch. I like that she flies around in the balloon like a demented wizard of Oz. (laughs) That whole thing where she is flying around trying to mark their houses and she gets in like a chase slash fight with Will in the balloon. That's such a good scene. It's such a good set series of chapters. I love that bit. I love that because he was protecting Will or protecting Jim. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. Their 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 friendship is the best. Yeah. They're they're caring well, for each other. It's like they're the complete opposites, and I think having the opposite birthdays and all that are two sides like uh, opposite. the light half, the dark half. Hmm. I think one of the things that I that I liked was the way uh, 
Will's father described them as one wearing the black hat and one wearing the white hat. Mm-hmm. So that made me think of like old westerns where like that's how they would distinguish. Oh, this is our our hero. He has the white hat and the white horse, and that's our villain with the with the black hat and the dark horse. Right. And I like that Jim's not. I like that Jim, despite being the the sort of the dark one, is not mm. the is not a bad. It's not a bad guy. He's just he's no. got these urges. He's got impulse control issues. <laughs> but then again, I mean, he kind of encourages Will to do the same when when Will's around Jim. Uh, Will is more willing to do, huh, willing, is more willing to do, um, more absurd things. Like, they, they, they really do complement each other, though. Yeah, cause Will is more, is one to hold back and even with things, times with Jim kind of grounds him. He's like, wait, hold on a sec. Where, but then Jim will sometimes like, let's just do it. Come on. Like, yeah. what do you got to lose? Like, mm-hmm. like he propels him forward where Will kind of will hold Jim back when he knows it's not time to move forward. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, the carnival, like, I, I, honestly, the, the carnival is just super, super influential. It's imagery. It's, um, it's themes. Um, you were telling me earlier that you thought it, you, you, you kind of wish that the more of the carnival had been, been utilized in the story. I like, not do. just the hall of mirrors, the freak tent and the carousel, but like, there, there, there's a Ferris wheel described at one point. I know Ray Bradbury had originally, based a lot of this off a short story he started to write called Dark Ferris, which was about a Ferris wheel mm-hmm. uh, uh, that did something similar to the carousel. Yeah, I just, it, like, the whole story revolves <coughs> around the carnival itself, and it would be cool to utilize that a bit more or see more of that. I don't know. Like, more of the carnival itself? Because I definitely, because the thing is, the carnival influence is definitely all over, especially when the carnies themselves are out parading around town. Oh, yeah, and that's a great, that is a great moment, too. Um, I just think, I don't know, I kind of just wanted a little bit more of it. Not saying, like, the the story is bad or anything. Oh, yeah. But, like, I I really loved, I don't know, I've always been a fan of Dark Carnivals. I mean, um, uh, The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern, such a great story, and I love the way they utilize it. And actually, they took inspiration from this. Uh, Aaron Morgenstern took a lot that, of inspiration from that. This. Really doesn't surprise me. It's like deep diving into into the stuff because you you see like every, in that book you see like every exhibit. Oh yeah, every that, sort of wonder that this this carnival offers, the night circuit offers. Where where with this carnival, it's like I kind of wish I want I could have seen more of it. Like there's like. I wanted to know more about what was in the wax museum. Yeah. I feel like this, that would have made the book twice as long with yeah. how descriptive he gets. With yeah. It. He, he gets well, that's, so if you read the night circus, by the way, we're going to, I'm going to make a recommendation here. We're probably not going to do this one on darkly Lake Cause it's, it's not necessarily a is, horror story, but it's not, a horror it's a, story. It, but much like this, it's a, it has, it's a, it's a fantasy romance and it's uh, the night circus by Aaron Morgenstern is very good. And I feel like does what this book wasn't necessarily doing, which was actually going into the carnival itself and looking at things. Mm-hmm. Uh, admittedly, I think I prefer the story, the storyline for this better, but the imagery in the night circus is incredible and it's its own animal in itself. So worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, any other, any other thoughts about the, uh, the, the carnival and the, or, and or the carnies? Um, the, I mean, do, do we believe what Charles is saying that these people, they don't just, like consume souls, they like pick out people and like lure them in and then prey off of their insecurities and their emotional troubles and their pain and use that to kind of power their, to keep themselves around. 
It made sense to me that they would target those people that, you know, had reason to to long for something because there's always that like, oh, I hate whatever. I'm going to run away to the circus, even oh, though, yeah. from, mm. you know, kind of idea. Like, I'm going to run away to the carnival and I'm going to travel with them and life's going to be swell. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it turns out not to be so swell. So um, that that made sense to me. And just the. Why wouldn't like? Because we go to the carnival to have a good time, to feel good, and to just be like, "Yeah, this is awesome." But the reverse side of of everything good is gonna be bad. So I don't know. That made sense to me. Of like, I don't know where I'm going with that. I, I think you're making some very tonight. some very good points. I think that that sums it up nicely. It just mm-hmm. I like that we learned that this carnival this carnival has been through here before, but just no one remembers it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it comes through Every- in different generations. Every what? 40, 50 years? Something like that. Yeah. Makes you wonder what other places it's visited. It, it does stick to Green... Like, it's that town specifically, right? That town specifically, but, like, I think it's been, it's probably been to other places, but he he found old issues of the, the, the paper, the newspaper, mm-hmm. that talked about the show visiting, and, and old handbills and things like that. Um, um, the one thing, I, and I mentioned this to David, uh, he's a... Uh, so Charles Holloway isn't the librarian. He's a li- he's the janitor for the librarian. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have been easier if they just made him a librarian. To be honest, I don't I don't know why he said it. Oh, make him a janitor because it's it, like there there's it, it's like if he was it, it, like it makes sense. He's old enough to be a librarian. It, it could make sense why he would be a librarian. Plus, his research skills as a librarian would like he can research like a librarian. Like he. No, he reads. He knows that library like the back of his hand. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't think it's that unfitting that he's a janitor. But yeah, I agree. Like, I think he, he, he I think that he could have just as easily been a librarian too. And actually, in the the 1983 movie adaptation of this, uh, he is the librarian. They just make him the librarian. The way I took that was sort of like because like he's looking. His whole character is like looking back on life and like his his choices and whatnot so for me it took i read it as like yeah he's always loved the library but he never became a librarian because he didn't make the right choices so he's to to at least still be in there he's a janitor because he still wants to be close to the library but he kind of failed in in like you know it's it's to mark his his failure he didn't become a librarian but he's at least the janitor at a library (laughs) yeah he he does know it doesn't like constantly Back then, janitor of the library. I'm sure he was also doing would be library librarian tasks as well. I, I concur, but I think you may you raise a very good point. Just this sort of feeling of inadequacy that Charles yeah. feels throughout the book. Because like I feel like in the early in the start of the book, we're we're kind of meant to feel bad for this old man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all this poor old man just hanging out in the library, wanting to run after his boys and after the boys and join them, but he's too old. He, he really he's really concerned about his age. Oh yeah, and he's really like, man, I I had will we had will too late. Well, now, I he can't, had will. Too I had late. will too late. I can't even play baseball with him. Can't Everyone thinks my wife is my daughter. Yeah, clearly there is an age gap between him and his wife. I, I want to assume it's like an 11, 12 year age Most gap, likely, maybe. Oh, well, it's say. probably like twenty. Like back then. Good. Yeah, <laughs> oh, good point. Good point. No, I mean my yeah, that's actually pretty significant. Because he he had a will when he was forty. He was forty. He was forty. That's right. So yeah, he could his wife could be twenty <laughs> and had will. Oh my god! 
<laughs> we, we never, we're never told her age. We're never told how old she is. But th- that one of the things that is said is everybody thinks his wife is his daughter. Yeah, I forgot about it a bit. And then actually, and then and Jim's dad's out of the picture. Yes, mm-hmm. that's we don't, and we don't find out what happened to him. Yep, and we don't need to like that. Yeah, that says but that speaks words. Him being but that also that adds to Will's not Will to Jim's character of like why he's 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 on this like much more matured level of like knowing there's like seeing what's coming. Like he doesn't have a father. Like he didn't have that that shelter that protection right. of having a father. Like he had to learn. From his mother, like, oh, okay, we can't uh, all have good things. And his mother's, as at least the impression I'm getting, his mother, he, he, I think he feels smothered a little mm-hmm. by her. Like oh she, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's overprotective. Yeah, and it makes sense why she would be, but well, she lost, as I described, she lost three children before him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, uh, it's because, um, but you can also tell that um, Jim genuinely loves his mother, and mm-hmm. actually, there's been a few times. Or she's actually used like as a bargaining chip, and you know that's like what gets Jim. And even uh-huh. Will has Will used it at one point. He's like, um, you should put the like he he tells him to uh, put the weather vane or yeah the weather vane up on the on his house because the uh the, the or no it's not weather, the lightning rod lightning rod thank you because uh, the salesman tells him the there's gonna be lightning striking Jim's house so uh. Jim's like, but I want to see lightning. I want, I want a show to happening. Then Will says, well, think of your mother. And then that's like, okay. Then he, that pushes him to do that. Yeah. It clearly his mom is not, I don't want to say a sore spot, but like she's definitely something, someone who's genuinely important to him, despite the fact you can tell he kind of, she does kind of, yeah. but she's also all he has mm-hmm. and he's all she has. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. The lightning rod got installed, and uh, never once did they describe a lightning storm. The lightning storm fully coming yeah. to the town. It rained the day that it rained that Sunday. The you know the Sunday when the uh, it, it, there was lightning and thunder when the storm finally hit on the Sunday, but it wasn't a big crazy storm like Tom Fury saw. So I'm thinking he just he built them. <laughs> well, he gave it to them for free, so yeah. it's not like he scammed them. You know? No, good. Oh, I, you're right. He did. He gave it to them for free. I thought. I thought the carnival was the storm, and uh, obviously Will was targeted. Oh, oh my God! I didn't think about it. Tom Tom Fury was oh. he, he he was ahead of a metaphorical storm. And just before, like they the carnival comes in, he actually t- or during or around the time when the carnival comes in, he actually takes down the lightning rod. Oh, that's awesome! I didn't think about that. That's <laughs> such good symbolism. Oh, I love you. I love Ray Bradbury for this reason. Oh, I didn't think about that. That's good. Yeah, this, the carnival is the storm, and um, and you know, come to think of it, one the first person claimed by the carnival is the lightning rod salesman. It's true, mm-hmm. uh, because he wants to get into a block of ice with a beautiful lady. Mm-hmm. I guess that's his downfall. I guess. Um, the well, one- I mean, when you when you're on the road. You're making your lightning rods, and you got no one to help you with your own rod. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, that's not a problem for the people at the theater. No, I no. do want to talk about that in a second, but I want to. I want to real quick. I want to really quick find out if we have any other questions. Oh no, about... we got, we got a uh, in terms of the circus or just in oh just in general. I mean, that's the one that's, question about the carnival. Just, should we just go through the questions and let's go through the questions, and then I want to. I want to. Because I want to raise some points, because that's a, because that to me really illustrates a certain dichotomy in the book is the, the way that both, the, both, uh, 
uh, Jim and Will feel about the discovery of the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, so uh, actually, username does uh, ask how has the core story aged with the fall of circus culture in America? I mean, the, in one sense, he is kind of right about circus culture because carnivals were huge, like so much bigger. During like the 30s and 40s, mm-hmm. and it ha- there has been quite a uh, decline, especially like we don't have freak shows or anything like that. Right. Freak shows died. Well, okay. So here's here was my thing. Here's my thing with that question. For me, a carnival and a circus are actually two different things. That's true. Like that is true. As a circus is more. I feel like I would. This was definitely a. This is like a carnival that also had like its tense and like freak show. It had so circus it a elements. Bit of a, yeah, it, it had circus, circus elements, elements, but I wouldn't have called it a circus because yeah. circuses don't have rides. That's true. That is true. I mean, well, I mean, they do have like pony rides or like elephant rides. Yeah, but, but not like, yeah, but this yeah, is but not like a carousel or. No, no, this is clearly a carnival. And I mean, <laughs> we still have carnivals, but they're more like state fairs. I yeah, guess. that's what I was saying, like the county fair and whatnot. For me, it didn't, it didn't affect it, like age, like no, it didn't feel like this is an old. Obviously, it was set in, like, an older time. We definitely got that feeling. But I could definitely see with, like... I could definitely see, like... Because you have those, like, small... Smaller little carnivals that will roll in. And you got, like, the really dinky, questionable rides. Like, the zipper. I love the zipper. (laughs) 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 Um, So I could... You know, I could still see, like, a a, a real... A creepy, kind of, like, questionable carnival, like, rolling into town present day. Like, so that... In that sense, like, the story was still fit for me like it didn't feel old same um does is it something there, that- there's a there's a different atmosphere to carnivals now though than the spec because when you think about it when a carnival rolled in it was something to be excited about because you didn't have that much else to do right this is a mm-hmm. traveling spectacle you get a chance to see all kinds of weird and strange and exotic things um so there's a much bigger deal about that then but now it's so easy for people to access stuff uh anytime that it's not like, carnivals don't have the same appeal unless you really want to go out and ride a questionably uh, sturdy Ferris wheel or mm-hmm. buy or play an entirely mm-hmm. expensive and potentially rigged carnival game. Um, I certainly don't see it. always rigged. It's they're always, always let's rigged. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's fair. They're, they're there to get your money. And, like, <laughs> the traveling, the traveling, like... Like the idea you, that's presented in this book is like there's a real sense of like even when the dark the dark carnival like during the day there's a sense of wonder mm-hmm. that kind of comes with the nostalgia of the carnival you don't get here because like you think about the mirror maze and the wax museum beyond it and stuff like that it sounds like that sounds really cool and then you go to a carnival today and it's like obviously a trailer with a flat <laughs> um, like front on it and maybe there's like a dark ride or a fun house but it's just like the most like hollow kind of cheap thing you know mm-hmm. they're not as as mysterious or like um i guess mysterious is the only word i can mysterious think of. alluring yeah they're they're not as magical no. yeah there's yeah. There, there's a magic to the old sort of old time and then again this is something coming off of an old an old train like an old yes. steam-powered mm-hmm. locomotive and that's mystique itself the carnival train rolling in and unpacking its menagerie of wonders i think also um the reason why it can still resonate with us or the story resonates with us too is um i mean i i yes it is um a a book of its time but at the same time it feels like this is a book set in a specific time period and people know about this time period. They know about carnivals, especially in American history. Yeah. I think the reason the story resonates with us is because 
um, at least a lot of the characters, have relatable things. I think every one of us at one point, in one way or another, has wanted to be older or younger or desired something. Or wanted things to stay the same when everything was changing around exactly. you. Mm-hmm. What, is- the, what the characters are facing internally... It doesn't matter what time you you existed. That's something everyone faces growing up. Absolutely. Yeah. That was those. That was a good question. It definitely, I gets me thinking about man. Now I just want to go to like a really. I want to go to like an old turn of the century carnival. See what that would have looked like. I wish. Like, well, yeah, carnival, but like to see just like what the circus used to be like this, this huge fucking grand spectacle with yeah. like all these performers and all these animals and just how fucking crazy it was. Like I would love to travel back in time and see that that would be so cool oh i i like that would be a good reason to travel back in time it's like to be there when uh, the carnival rolls in and to actually experience that i feel like Mm -hmm. today the only thing that is comparable in terms of wanting to get that kind of sense of wonder and spectacle in a in a carnival or a circus is going to see Cirque du Soleil think about it and like on a like no, that doesn't that doesn't even come close. No, but like yeah, I mean like, just the sense that like you're seeing people performing and there's a sense of like wonder yeah, and magic to it. Yeah. Like I don't know. I feel like I'll that's to actually much more it there is definitely like as I've been to like uh, one of the shows and it's there was definitely this feeling of like oh this is you know almost magical, almost like like really alluring and there's like this mystery to it with the music and the performers the music and, is so but good. it also was it was very refined. Oh, yeah, good point. There is a, have the sort of slapdash. Yeah, there is an yeah. edgini- edginess to carnivals, even like carnivals during the turn of the century. Well, the, the problem is carnivals today are almost all edginess <laughs> and well, no I, mystique. Yeah, that's the problem. So, they, I mean, back then carnivals were both this mix of uh, something's not quite right with it and it's kind of edgy with a, ooh, but look at the, the like, the wonder and mystique and the, the, um, uh, the creativity that goes in it, and then nowadays it's just completely edgy and everything's slapped out. Carnivals together. today are like a cheap thrill. You know, you go get your yep. corn dog, you play some games, and go on some questionable ride and some hope it doesn't kill rides. you. Whereas, like the 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 carnivals in the past that had your freak shows or just like the grand spectacle that was the circus, it was you were in your small town and suddenly this giant. This grand affair made up of like different parts of the world that you were never going to get to see if this place, if this circus didn't come to your town. You saw like all these like weird types of people and these performers doing these incredible stunts. And you're just mm-hmm. like, you could not have imagined any of that. And now and, you're like seeing it. It's in your and town. And it's in walking distance. It. Like, yeah. Imagine being a kid and you're like, oh my gosh, this carnival's here. And it's in that field that's near here. And you just run there and you're there. And it's so mm-hmm. cool. And then you can go home later and it's like, and you think to yourself, but it's still out there. And there's that, yeah. that feeling. I, I've, I've had that feeling when I've stayed in like, this is not super comparable, but like, um, when I've stayed in like a place where there's a big convention, like when you're in San Diego while Comic Con is going on, the whole place feels like it's got this like you leave the event, like but it's still going on, you know, all mm-hmm. over the city, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. One of the parts that I really liked was when they were watching the train roll in, and then the 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 tents are like forming and like pulling from the clouds. Yeah, and that I did really like that part, um, just because like. Like circus, like history stuff. I'm like really. It's like one of the things that I'm actually really into. Oh. Like, I forget that I'm really into until like it's brought up, and then I'm like, yeah, the fucking circus. Like it was awesome. I'm on that same page with yeah. you though. I, like I, I, I <laughs> but like 
There have been like, just the. Oh, just go ahead. I was going to say, I'm the same way, because, like, there's been, like, evenings where I will just Wikipedia, like, freak shows for, like, a good hour or so and be like, ooh, who is this famous um, freak? And then learn about the Hilton sisters and stuff like that. And then also mm-hmm. delve into, like, uh, like uh, stories behind, like, Barnum and Bailey and stuff like that. Like, ah. Uh. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put this out there right now, and then I'll, you can finish what you're saying. I'm sorry, but I just don't want to leave my brain. Uh, we should definitely read Geek Love in the future. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. That one is on my my list of ones to read. I went after Caleb told me about it. I've, um, I've read but it. Like, I'll read it again. I think what I was trying to say was just like, just the, the, the train rolling in was like, people would go out just to watch them unload the train, set up the tents, watch the animals come out. So that's why I really liked that that part where they're watching the train and whatnot in the book. Uh, and yeah. I also want to plug real quick, there's actually a, I think it's a two-part or a one-part documentary that's on Netflix right now just called The Circus that is really good about mm-hmm. the circus. Just about... Just fucking, just this, I really recommend like it. If you like of the circus, circus history, yeah, go check it out. Oh, okay. I'm down. I've watched it like two times now. Awesome. Um, so I, I, I got, uh, a, another question by, uh, Dovey Does. If you could reverse your age, would you and to what age? Uh, I'm currently at that point in my life where I'm fine with the age I am right now. Like, um, I, I want to be that person who says, oh, I'm just 29 and holding. And literally just stay 29. <laughs> I want it when I, I think when I was like 16, I was like, I want to reach 25 and then never get older. Um, I think for me, I don't, I wouldn't want to revert in age. Like I wouldn't want to be younger if I'm still going to live in this like same time period. Mm-hmm. Like I would like to become younger and like relive so many years so that I can be like, okay, not going to waste time with this. I'm just going to start writing now so I have enough time to put out all the stories that I want to put out. Ah, and there, uh, and therein <laughs> lies the trap of the carnival because you're, just, you're still the person you are now. Exactly. But that's fine because I would... You're younger. Have- you have a younger body and younger energy... Mm-hmm. But uh, you have your current maturity and your current, work and I ethic. have my current skill sets to do the things that I want to do. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I know where I'm going to invest my time and money. <laughs> Actually, that that's not a bad idea. Like, just go back, not not like about five years or like six years, mm-hmm. something like that. Just enough that like you still look like you, like you do now, but you have the energy that you did of like a someone in your uh, early twenties, mm-hmm. and uh also have that same like the same vigor and like it's like oh my back doesn't crack all the time anymore <laughs> like yeah oh, god yeah <laughs> my, or your and your metabolism is slightly better yeah actually okay the only like just a little bit just like five years but just like hold that for a bit yeah, just so because I'll I look guys we would we would fall victim to the to Mr. Dark yeah. so easily. Oh yeah, we would. Yeah, because we're human. Yeah, yeah. And, no, he knows how to prey on humans. No, it's a brilliant. It, it is a brilliant uh, machine. You could go become older or younger. And the th- the problem is they're just like, well, don't you want to be forty? And he's like, no, I can't do that. It's like because then I won't be able to relate to anyone. And it's like, well, what about that? Just a little bit. Why not just make like- me fifty three. <laughs> Instead of 54. <laughs> like, just a little Shave younger. off a couple of years, you Shave know? Off, yeah. And that's the temptation. Like, that's clear. Like, like again, so, I'm just, 
I'm fine where I'm at, but I think to myself, wouldn't it be funny to actually say, like, no, I'm, I'm going to go back to 29, and I'm just going to stay 29. See, Miss Foley, I feel bad for her. Like, oh. you know, this is someone... I think she just wanted to be younger, like, in her 20s, not, like... All the way back to being a child again? Yes. Well, no, I thought she did want to be a child, because when she got lost in, in the mirror maze, she saw herself as a child. Oh, that's true. That was my assumption that you would, you see what you wanted to be in the maze. She saw herself as a little girl. And then maybe when Will, not fucking damn it, when Jim caught sight of something in there, he saw himself older. Mm -hmm. That was what I thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. Um, and I think Miss Foley, I think her, the thing with her, when you, when they find her later under the tree crying and she's a little girl, um, I don't, again, like everyone else, she didn't realize that when she got there, she wasn't gonna, she would look younger, but she wasn't actually going to feel younger, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it's still an adult mind inside of a, like, nine-year-old girl's body. We never see her again, either. That's Her or Mr. Corsetti, they're gone. That kind of bothered me, I'm like, no, what happened to them? Like, like, because there's, you actually follow them, and their stories are so tragic, like, same with, like, the, um... Uh, with the, uh, Mr. Fury, and I was like, but, like, they're, the freaks are freed, right? So what does that mean for him? Like, the, like, do they, are they okay? We don't ever get, They, they do get to leave, but they all, they all flee. That's it. Like, they just flee. There's, we don't know. We don't know what happens. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah, I mean, they they can be killed by kindness now, so that's probably a bad thing. Or they were, or could they? Or was I thought it was just? Well, I'm mean, I, again. I, the Dust Witch was killed with kindness, kind of. She was killed with laughter. Yeah, she was killed with a smile carved on a rubber bullet. Yeah, but clearly, can happiness... we talk about that? How like how yeah. he pretty much smothered this child to death with affection. Yeah, that was so. Okay, the ending is. Well, I mean, like, are there any questions concerning the ending? Or should we just finally f- talk about the like ending? The, okay. Before we talk, no, let's talk about the ending, because I, yeah. I, I still want to talk about the theater, because that's just a weird, yeah. jarring part. I think we part. still have more questions, at least uh, a couple oh, more. Yeah, we have a couple All right, more. hold um, on. Let's, let's do that, and then, then we all want to address the ending. So, uh, there's only two, and I've been skipping around, so, uh, user, I got one last question from the username, and where would you rank this book with other Bradbury works? Um... This is up there with the Halloween tree is one of my favorites. But then again, um, when it comes to Brad, I, I got, I got to broaden my horizons, read more Bradbury, but I think I've read more Bradbury short stories than I have his novels. Same so. here. I like a lot of his short stories. Um, guys, read the Velt. It's so like, it's one of those stories where the ending's like, dude, what the fuck. Right. Um, there's a, um, there's a story I read. I, I picked up a copy of I, my copy of Driving Blind. There's a story in there called House Divided that I remember reading and sticking with me as a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say too much about it, but if you look it up and read it, um, I want to know what people's reactions are because rereading it now was kind of like, what the fuck? What yeah. the fuck? Yeah, he's good at that. I also it's a very kind of what the fuck story. I do like Sound of Thunder too. That's a pretty good one as well. I don't. Um, uh, there's a story titled If MGM Is Killed, Who Gets the Lion? Wait, what? That's a story in the same collection. If MGM is killed, who gets the <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I'm, like, okay. I, cause good I, title. I, I actually did read The Martian Chronicles, uh, which is a collection of his short stories. And, um, I, I'm like, I'm trying to think of the, all, like, the ones, it's, it's been so long since I read, read them. The one that stands out to me 
is uh, the one where um, all these people go to Mars and then they meet these uh, people. I guess they're like all black with gold eyes, but then eventually the humans that transfer there become that. Like they, they kind of adjust to that and they start mm-hmm. to like become like all black with golden eyes. Something like that. It's been so long, but it's that idea that the they see they see these uh, creatures like Martians as like strangers and opposite of them, but then it turns out they're people as well. Just they've just adjusted to, mm. which yeah. I think that's a very that would like I, I I love that type of stuff. Like I kind of one of Ray Bradbury. One of the things he's good at is uh, subverting your like expectations. Yeah. Um. And the one that actually sticks with me, and I think is actually the first short story I ever read by him was um, "Softly There Will Come." Or there oh, will there will come, come soft, soft rains. rains. And yeah, that was horrifying. Well, not horrifying. It was more just like fascinating to me. And one of my favorite descriptions in there. Because what happens is, it's about a smart house uh, that's still going on after a nuclear explosion. So, and then just, like, the house trying to continue on with its day, despite the fact, like, all the humans are dead. Um, the humans are dead, and I must bark. Yes. Uh, and, uh, so, um, one of the most fascinating images is... Um, uh, it like he describes um, what the front of the house looks like, and it's like this. It, it's like it's covered in like soot, but then there's shapes of the children playing, like like outlined on the on the garage door, and you're just like, oh my god! I, I mean that that wouldn't happen in like that wouldn't actually happen in real life, but like as an image, that's frightening. Like yeah. Hey, y'all ever read the uh, October game? Oh, you told me about that, and... This is a very good one. Uh, that's another good one. It's probably his most horrifying story that I've ever read, just in the implications. So, just putting it out there. I'll have to read it. I have to confess that I have not read a lot of uh, Bradbury. Um, so, I'll pass on this question. <laughs> that's okay. fine. Okay. Do you feel like, do you feel like you, you're, after reading this, you do you feel like you'd be more compelled to read additional Bradbury, or...? I think I would. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely have been, cu- I haven't read any of his sci-fi stuff and I've been curious about it for a long time. Um, so I feel like I'll finally sit down and maybe read, read, um, um more I, of his stuff. I think Bradbury's hit or miss. Actually, the last question kind of fits that. So, uh, this one comes from Fikex, uh, Red Wolf. And he said, due to Bradbury's writing style, I had to reread some passages multiple times. I'm curious to know if you had similar experiences and did it detract from some of the more flowing descriptive parts in the story. I didn't have a problem with it. I don't know if it's just me, but just being able to... I, I feel like I, I could breeze through it once I got into the right mindset. I'm not sure. I mean, I think it's... I, I, again, it's hit or miss. It's a hit or miss kind of question. For me, Bradbury's language is fine, and I'm able to follow the sort of like... the sort of like stream of consciousness, metaphorical, allegorical descriptions that he uses for different things, so... For me, it, it was an issue... Uh, and I think part of that might have been that I was trying to get through it very quickly. Um, but I do, I do love like flowery, descriptive. Like I do that myself too in writing where I'm like, I don't need to be describing this so much, but I like to do it for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were parts where I really enjoyed it in this. And then there were parts where I was like, I don't feel like this is necessary. And, mm-hmm. 
I need to reread this or I'm getting distracted by something else. Um, so there were times where I'm like, okay, cool. I'm here for this. And then there were times where I was like, I could skip this. And I did find myself trying to skim certain parts where I was like, I don't want this right now. Let me (laughs) get to the next part. And then I was like, no, go back and reread that. So it was hit or miss with me. Fair enough. Um, when I first read this about a year ago, uh, yes, that I actually, there were times where, um, I did have to stop and go back and reread what the heck just happened. But at the same time, I was trying to, I, I had not read Bradbury in such a long time. Like, um, the last time I read Bradbury before that was 10 years ago. So I, I, like, I, my brain was not ready for it. And, like, about a year ago. And then, um, at that time, I was trying to take it as realistically as possible. Uh, especially since I think uh, at that time I was also reading a lot of realistic stories. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I'm reading this and I'm like, this doesn't sound realistic at all. And I, but then at a s- certain point, I, I once I, I listened to the audiobook, I had no problems after that. Once I finally accepted, no, it's a fantasy. This is Bradbury. He's d- descriptive. This is just his style. Mm. I can get through it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, again, Bradbury, I know for a lot of people is very hit or miss. Like, um, some people, they're just like, just get to it already. Mm. God. <laughs> and, uh, some, and like, I know plenty of people, uh, just adore his writing and find, like, um, I, I know a friend of ours, uh, Sandy loves his works, just adores. And he, he's like, he thinks that he's better than, like, it's his favorite author. Um, one of, uh, actually, one of the cool things I was able to do, um, was I did get to meet him before he passed away. So jealous. And I do have two books signed by him, and one of them is, uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes. So, that's on my shelf. I'm very happy about that. And I'm, I'm using the time just to brag about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the one thing I gotta get props for, he is a very fascinating man. Like, the way he talks, like, like I, uh, I saw him give, like, a speech, and he's, like, in his 80s at that time, and he's, like, giving the speech, and he, 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 you could tell that he is a very good orator, and he's very proud of the fact he had his work published in Playboy. He was very proud of that fact, <laughs> so. <laughs> that says a lot about this man, so. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so that's all the questions that we have. Cool, let's talk about the two things we wanted to talk about. First of all, um peeping tomboys except one of them is very interested in what they're pe- like mm-hmm. that was interesting to me i feel that really sums up why jim wants to be older because jim is actually interested in sex just putting he it out is, there he is ready to explore new worlds and will is not <laughs> and you know there's a line there's one meta there's one line descriptive line in there that always stood out to me for some reason it's something about they stood before each other naked like shivering horses. I don't know why that stuck with me. It just did. Anyway, that part that part cracked me up because I think that really shows that to me that's really early in the book where it shows the disparity between uh, Will and Jim. Mm-hmm. I think it also marks that they're at this kind of like crossroad between boy and men, boy yeah. and man. Basically, took the words out of my mouth. Say, I was just, I was just kidding. they're thirteen. They're at that point. So yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, yeah. No, I I was laughing my ass off right there. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The that was me when I first read it too. The theater quotation. These people really need to close their to close their blinds. Another, <laughs> there's there's some humorous parts. Like one of my favorite parts is when uh, Charles Holloway is blowing smoke and you should try <laughs> the cigar. It's great. <laughs> Oh, when he's trying to cover for them in the grate. Yeah. So and the dust, and he blows into the dust witch's face. I love that bit. Yeah. Um, uh, and then the ending. Yeah, let's talk about, a, okay, I want to talk about batshit the ending is. Yeah. So, starting fuck? with, starting with the way that they kill the dust witch, which is pretty epic, I gotta say. So, how, so, I mean. With the, with the, the fake, they do the whole, like, bullet, bullet trick. trick. And he knows that work, and yet Charles it realizes that laughter, mirth, and joy are basically what hurt these people, which leads me to believe that the Dust Witch is not as not as much of a is like I don't know if it would work on the other carnies. I, I think but it she, certainly works on the Dust Witch. I think she's already so much part of the carnival. She's been there for years that where some of the others are just yeah carnies. Um, but that was that was metal as hell. I used my own smile to kill you with a bullet. And it's like that's not a crescent moon. Card my there. yeah. It's my smile. And Bang. She, she dies. It's like whoa. <laughs> I, I, that bit is great, and that's when things go off the rails or off the merry-go-round, as the case may be. Yeah, because there is that. Well, I, I wasn't surprised by the point where in like Jim's on the merry-go-round and like Will's trying to pull him out. That actually was a very uh, that's actually not a bad climax. Yeah. You know what I actually thought was interesting about that part was they didn't reverse it. Will or or Jim did age a couple of years, didn't he? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So he's like 16 now. Or he looks at. Or he looks at. And then Will's hand age. Because remember, Will's hand was on there. And apparently Will's hand is like apparently a, the hand of a 16-year-old. But like Jim's hand is like the hand of a 13-year-old because he had his hand out. That's an interesting detail. I don't know if that ever got explored because they they just they end up breaking the carousel after that. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I think the part we really want to talk about is everything that happens after that with Mister Dark turning into a nine year old boy and then him being hugged to death. So yeah, because um, like what the fuck? <laughs> I'm gonna caress your cheek and just show you all this love. I'm gonna love you to death. Gracie's gonna bark us to death. Oh. <laughs> uh. uh. So, yeah, it's it it's kind of it's very. Hold on, keep talking. I'm gonna go eat the dog. I mean, it it made I'm sense that. I mean, how how do you fight evil? How do you fight the evil of the world? You you do it by spreading love, by spreading goodwill. So that made sense. It was just, I think for me, what struck me was like the visual of like holding the kid. And just, I don't know, I was just like, ah. Yeah, I, I think maybe at that time, like, it wasn't a big deal, but now it's like... Well, no, I'm not, I don't really mean it in that sense. I don't know, it was just very, it caught me by surprise. I, I think also add that to the juxtaposition where, oh, the, like, Will thinks Jim is dead, so he starts crying. And then his dad slaps him. <laughs> Multiple like, times. Like, stop it. You do not cry. We are not giving it in to them. We have to laugh. Be happy. Come on, smile. Sing. Sing. Damn it, sing. It's like, oh my god. This is kind uh, of frightening. Like, poor Will. I mean, it works. It comes back to life. But still, like, wow. Yeah. No, we must... It, it is a weird juxtaposition. Like, I'm going to hug you. And then he disappears. 
And then D- Mr. Dark disappears. And he's like, no, hugs him to death. And then this time with Will, slaps him. I thought, I thought, I actually, like, uh, coming back and hearing that bit, I found this part kind of horrifying. I'm like, he's trying to mourn his, his dead friend. His dad's like, nah, stop it, son. Laugh, laugh. It's funny. We have to do it to save <laughs> Don't him. even think about him. Jim who? Come and dance with me. I'm like, holy shit. I mean, it works. It, Again, Charles Holloway's got a hell of an emotional intuition when it comes to magical realism. Yeah. And plus, everything that's already happened has kind of given him, lent his credence to his but, theories. By the way, another... But still, the way he has to force Will to do it is like, seems so harsh. I'm like, jeez. So... Also, I find it interesting. So, um, nine-year-old Mr. Dark comes and tries to trick him and says, oh, my mom is this way. And the way Charles figures it out is, like, he pulls the shirt off of him and he's covered in tattoos, which means that, like, okay, you might age younger, but whatever <laughs> you've done to your body, that's that's not going away. So, if you have, like, I have tattoos. Yeah, I'm going to, if I, if I wrote that and I became a young like nine year old, I'm gonna be a tattooed, tattooed nine year old. <laughs> and maybe your tat, maybe, but but then if that happens, if you rode the magic carousel and you have these magic tattoos that that don't age, that go go away when you when you de de age, mm-hmm. well, does that mean they'll magically disappear when you die, like they did on Mister Dark? Also, I dyed my hair red. Like if I go, if I age backwards, or does my red hair go away? Or I don't know. This this is a good question. Yeah, I think well. It's hard to say because we know his tattoos were magical. That's yeah. true. That is. Um, and so I feel like those were those were tied more with his like actual and it, living, yeah, and it, soul versus his body. I good feel. Good point. Good point. Okay, that makes sense. So like that, maybe other people they could go away, but in this case, because it is, I mean, that's how he traps the carnies. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's how he controls the carnival. So yeah, okay, I I, I feel that. I feel that. Now, I do like the way that this ends with them all running off together. That is a... That, despite Charles having a broken yeah. left hand. What, what I think I enjoyed the most throughout the the end of the book was that Charles pretty much took the lead and, like, how he's keeping up with the boys. Well, yeah, more or less. Pretty much he's keeping up with the boys at the end as they're all, like, running home and whatnot. Because, like, you did feel that... that pity for him in the beginning like oh this old man and then that part one of the parts that i really liked was when he climbed up to the window with will oh that was great mm-hmm. i love that yeah. moment when they climb up together and they're just like holding each other yeah uh-huh okay. that was super sweet like that that's one of my favorite parts um and then to just kind of to see him at the end and like yeah okay he's old but he's not gonna he's not gonna worry about that so much anymore he's gonna if he wants to run he's gonna run you know yeah i think the other profound moment that's a really good moment between he and will and then and then then at the the part when will saves him in the mirror maze when he's Mm -hmm. like no dad and he lights the match and he's just holding him and crying and what and what will what charles sees is no longer the the horrid aged versions of him coming toward him but he sees dozens of you know hundreds of reflections of him but being held by his son like that's that's a really profound moment too, and I'm like, that oh my a- god, this shows how love and it really the spell of love and the spell of joy is what ultimately can kill the carnival and destroy yeah. the, mm-hmm. the autumn people. By the way, that's a great name for pe- for them, the autumn people. The autumn people, mm-hmm. yeah. so ominous. <laughs> by, by the way, I I because I, I, I typed that up because he's like, oh, I remember hearing a poem about that because I wanted to see if that was an actual. Uh, I mean, it's Ray Bradbury's poem, so... It was a, it was like a sermon or something that he heard or yeah. something, right? Uh, 
Yeah, but yeah, Ray Bradbury made that up. But um, I looked it up. Uh, he wrote a collection of short stories, and the, the title of that book is called The Autumn People, which is in, which is fun because like he also has another book of short stories that he wrote called The Illustrated Man. Yeah. So like clearly, this book still had a great influence. There's on another him. collection of stories he wrote called The October Country. Man, this guy loved Halloween like nobody else. Oh yeah. Like that, this. I love Halloween. I, I hope that I can say I love Halloween as much as Ray Bradbury does mm-hmm. or did. Past month of the year. Absolutely, and uh, and I think that. Uh, yeah, I, I think. Does that I think we have we have we exhausted this because man, this book is. I enjoyed talking about this with you too. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't have any. We got Did did your did? Uh, well, actually, I want to ask. Say, did your did your like potential shipness carry you through a bunch of this too shipping jim and will it did oh i did actually i did i draw i drew jim and will so i'll send those to you guys i'll take a quick picture in a minute oh my gosh please yes um but yeah it was uh post that on the um creative horror website as well if you if if you don't mind I'll I'll tweet it on the uh, the darkly lit Twitter. Yes. and they're just little little anime sketches of them (laughs) i don't care I, I am so down for this. Um, <laughs> it's like when we read, um, oh my gosh, the uh, the book, the Clive Pen Pal. No, the Clive Barker that. one. Oh, oh, uh, the, oh, yeah, I drew that too. The, I didn't finish that one. Always. I should finish that Thief, one. Thief of Always. Thief of Always. Yeah. Yeah. Then you drew Thank that you. illustration too from that one. You were inspired, and I was like, yes, that one is really good. I should. I'm down. I for should this. finish that. <laughs> um, I I think. Yeah, I mean, if you do you, anything else, or are we good? Um, no, I think we're good. Um, I am glad. Thank you. I'm glad we got to visit this one in October because this is like I can't. I it's hard for me to think of a of a better like October book in my opinion. Like this book drips October. This book drips about you know. I mean, because again, really early in the book, Halloween came early. Yes, that's a great mm. way to sum up the dark carnival that comes in. That's awesome. Um. So. For November, uh, we're gonna read a short story called The Quiet Boy by Nick Antosco. Antosca. Yes, Antosca. I wanna make sure I pronounce that right. Yep. Um, this one, uh, if, if you guys don't know what it is, I actually just heard of it, but this will, is actually the basis for the upcoming movie Antlers, which will come out in 2020. Um, Produced by Guillermo del Toro. Which is awesome. Guillermo! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but the good news is you can read it for free online. Uh, we will put a link for the short story in the show notes, so please yep. read that. It's, from what I got, it's, n- it's not a long read, so. Um, and we figured, cause we still have the rest of October and a lot of Halloween to go with, so I think a short story would be a good time for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before October's I go. A, uh... Busy month for us. Oh, yeah, yes. exactly. I was going to say before I go, if you want to check out what I've been doing in October, I've begun a blog series called The Fog Report that I'm going to be updating every October where I talk about local haunts and Halloween attractions in the area that I've visited. Uh, maybe not all of them, but you know, as many as I can. I'm starting with sort of the big ones, but 
I mean, Kayla and I have already been to one that really set the mood for October with an immersive theater experience. We're going to be going to another one later this month. We've got plans and we look forward to October every year for this reason. So it's, I wanted to start doing this, uh, this blog, talk about my experiences. So if you want to check that out, that's on creative horror in the creator's blog section. Um, as well, uh, UCA will be coming back. Uh, we will be, um, eventually, ho- uh, hopefully soon. Very soon, hopefully. Uh, uh, recording the episode where we announce the winners of the, um, Disney Creepypasta writing competition. Which- oh, hey, am I gonna be in that one? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, you will. Come join us, friends. <laughs> I'm ready. I finished reading the story. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and the, and uh, yeah, just keep an keep an ear out for all uh, other uh, creative horror stuff as it comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Do we have uh, something from Midnight Marinara? We will have something from Midnight Marinara, uh, an episode written by Alan Cheney that was supposed to have come out last year, but got inevitably delayed until I was able to get all the material for it. But now we have it. So this lost episode is coming out this October. And my plan from this point forward, I'm going to make this clear vocally, is that every October, even if nothing else happens for the rest of the year, there will be a new Midnight Marinara. Woo! That's oh, my goal. Halloween even better. Exactly. <laughs> there may be other ones as I see fit throughout the year, but Midnight Marinera as a seasonal show is kind of done. I feel like La Llorona was the logical conclusion for me to reach. I want to explore other projects, but Midnight Marinera is never done. It's not done. I just, when it's an anthology show, and so when I find something good to put in that anthology, by God, I will put it in that anthology. <laughs> Woo! So there you go. Um, Witching Hour, uh, we put out a, a very, a long air episode that is, than we normally do on just vampires. It was so good. We just I go off it. for like two hours on vampires. Vampires are great. Uh, <laughs> and we are going to try to have, uh, one more episode for the month of October, um, maybe a few days before Halloween, where, and I'll spoil it now, we're going to each, uh, apparently there's going to be a TV show where people remake, uh, murder houses oh what so they take uh houses where murders were committed and uh flip them i guess <laughs> oh my and god and we're like wow yeah why not so we're gonna do um our kind of own episode on it we're each gonna pick a, a murder house that we would want to flip and <laughs> what we're gonna do with it and we'll talk a bit about the murders that happened there so that's gonna be i guess our halloween special i am down for this <laughs> this is a so this is a great premise i love this <laughs> oh man, I'm looking forward to hearing this one. And one last thing from the Witching Hour: we are doing our annual Jack o' Lantern contest. Uh, I think the deadline for it is the 28th. I want to say. So if you uh, love carving pumpkins or wanna can't carve a pumpkin, but you could carve, like, say, a watermelon, because that's allowed in our contest too. Just uh, take a picture uh, and send it in and there's a cash prize this year and yeah i love pumpkins you want to be real <laughs> hardcore do a carve a turnip be old school yes that's be what real old school, yeah <laughs> Uh, the last thing I will mention is, uh, hey, if you liked what we, we read here and you're curious, um, take a look at the, uh, the if you can find it, the movie version, the Disney movie version of Something Wicked This Way Comes. Has a bit of a troubled history. Maybe not the best movie, but it's got some neat bits in it. And I think it, it 
the way it translates is actually not terrible. So I've seen clips, and there are some like really great clips, but um, there's some parts that are a bit rough. But uh, it's up to you. So uh, like, um, I think, that's my recommendation. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's a, a a BBC radio version of it that's like an hour long that you can find on YouTube as well. I, I, oh. I have that. I have that bookmarked so I can listen to it later. Hell yeah! I should check that out too. Absolutely. All right, so yeah, thank you for joining us again for Darkly Lit, and uh, you all have a happy October, okay? Don't let any illustrated men lure you into dark carnivals. Ride the rides, but don't ride the carousel backwards, unless you want to be 29 perpetually. <laughs> Shall we uh, blow out the candles? Yep, blow. Uh, I, I Specifically, the lantern that is in, well, not the lantern, the candle that is in the pump right there, that jack there. Okay, perfect. Get that one right there. <laughs>